You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. The last of the major pro sports leagues kick off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL all in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to Habsing Minded. It's Patrick Bexel. It is the first of the season. It is the Player of the Month episode, and I'm joined by a stellar crew today. And uh, it's very good to have Hadi Kalakesh back on. It's been a while, Hadi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's, it, it's been a bit of a while. Uh, the the, the offseason at Dauber Prospects was super busy. We had so much to set up for this draft year, but our scouting meetings next week. Uh, so things just slow down a bit after that. You should see uh, and hear a bit of more of me uh, as the year goes on. Yeah. And obviously, we got someone who just got out of jail, Anton Rossigord, on the <laughs> run once more. How are you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm fine. It's great to uh, to see a blue sky again. I'm not going to ask where you are because we don't want anyone to catch up with you during the podcast. But at the end, if you want to, you can reveal where you are and maybe the police will catch up to you. And of course, we have the omnipresent Jared Book, who will talk about the best uh, Fabs player. Are we calling him the Fabs nowadays? Jared, or is that an old we're, we're not talking about their potential names right now, Patrick. Um, we'll, 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 we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but I don't want to talk about what's not confirmed partially because I, I hate it. <laughs> well, that, that, it's like, um, uh, and Anton will know this, they hired a, a, a really expensive consultant to rename the football stadium in Gothenburg uh, to the old name. And he charged like, was it, was it, Forty thousand dollars or something like that, Anton. Yeah, yeah, it was a ridiculous amount for just renaming it the same that the old uh, stadium was called. Uh, well, if, any, if, if anybody knows anything about uh, overpaying for buildings, it's Montreal. So, <laughs> yeah. well, they're always under construction there. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the player of the month, and really, is there a better one than the overtime player of the month with Cole Caulfield? What a start of the season he's had, hey, Jared. Yeah, it's, it's you know, there's always questions when players get hurt <laughs> and, and how they'll come back. And, you know, Cole Caulfield, so much of this organization's future relies on him. But to him, for him to have the start that he did, it, it makes those 50 goal claims that a lot of the media had going into the season look pretty realistic. <laughs> if it's not this year, uh, it'll be in the near future. This is exactly what you want from the Montreal Canadiens. Like, I know... People want to see wins. They want to see, you know, uh, a, a competitive team. But for me, the individual performances are even more important than that. And and Cole Caulfield leading the way to a, a what has been a really good October for the Canadians, results wise too. Uh, you, you can't ask for better than that. Hadi, you're the scout. Uh, the power play <laughs> atrocious in many ways, and and yeah. everyone is just waiting for Cole Caulfield to slap it in. Uh, that should give space for others, though. 
Yeah, and that's been working so far. I mean, Sean Monahan scored a couple goals, and the power play, I think, we're at, what, three straight games or four straight games with a power play goal? Five straight uh, games. Five straight games, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's working well, and I, I believe, I don't think Cole Caulfield, I think Cole Caulfield has, like, one of those goals or, or something like that. He has a couple of assists, if I remember correctly. Yeah, exactly, but it's mainly because, you know, he he's realizing how um how intent opposing teams are at double triple teaming him to make sure that he doesn't get that one timer off um and it's opening up Sean Monahan at the at the front of the net it's opening up Nick Suzuki on the far side it's opening up point shots i mean that that the habs have understood that you need more than one shooting threat and they're exploiting it really well right now um and that's what's really impressed me with Cole Caulfield so far is just you know draft your Cole Caulfield a lot of my issues with that was um he was getting a lot of passes, really good passes from Jack Hughes, and immediately shooting it off reception, which is good when you're five foot seven and you 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 need you know you need to exploit every puck touch. But Cole Caulfield right now on the power play is he's playing his role to perfection in the way that you should. I mean, he's faking slappers, uh, carrying it to the inside, passing it back up or to the side to Nick Suzuki, or, or occasionally even down to Sean Monaghan or um, whoever else is in that position, Josh Anderson. I mean, he, he's distributing a lot more and he's getting a lot more comfortable um, delegating the shooting threat to his to his teammates and it's working to perfection right now um, in Montreal. The main issue is his own entries, and I'm really glad the Habs went from the double drop to the single drop because that's made a big difference in their ability to set up in the offensive zone on top of winning those key face-offs, obviously. But, I mean, it's just it's been a major pet peeve of mine. It's just the double drop isn't working because the other three players are just static at the blue at the offensive blue line. There's no movement. There's no rotations. And basically, it's just two guys trying to shove the puck in. It ends up in a 50-50 battle in the corner, and the opposing team gets it out. So I'm just really happy with that change as well. Um, and, and a couple occasions of Caulfield carrying it in the offensive zone as well doesn't harm. I mean, he's a really good puck carrier as well. Looking at it, and and... I mean, we all remember Cole Caulfield's overtime heroics. And, and yep. um, is it the extra space, the added space that he gets on overtime that benefits him so much? Or is it just that, you know, he just has that weekend shot and he gets more opportunities? It's definitely... Every, everyone is going to uh, run and gun hockey in, in some ways. Yeah, no, I mean, Cole Caulfield is, is a player who... You know, a lot of what he does at five on five is he gets rid of the puck before he gets an opportunity to get hit. Um, and you don't see a lot of hitting, a lot of physical play at three on three, which benefits him a lot because he's able to prolong his puck touches. And we'll, we'll get to that when, when we, we pivot to Cédric Guindon and, and him being the player of the month oh, later on. Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of the things that, I, that I'm going to talk about. But yeah, I mean, he's prolonging his puck touches. He's getting more time on the puck. And that's just so good for Caulfield because of how good he is at navigating open space and and getting a shot off clean um so that's one thing that benefits him a lot of three on three is obviously the added extra space but also the fact that he's able to keep the puck for longer because he doesn't have the threat of a blindside hit coming or that kind of thing if you watch Caulfield or five on five a lot of his plays are one touch or two touch plays and the only times where he really gets the puck for you know more than a second is when he's um when he's cutting back up, um, when he when he's cycling, when, when the Habs are cycling the puck, when he's getting the puck along the boards and pivoting off the hit and skating up to make it low to high pass, that's basically the only time you'll see Caulfield get the puck for more than a second or two. So, yeah, it's just the, the, the fact that he's got, he can keep the puck for 10, 20 seconds if he wants and choose the right play that really benefits Caulfield in overtime. That's what makes him so effective. Jared, there are a lot of 
um, honorable mentions as well. Uh, obviously, Jake Allen, uh, Matheson as well. I know Anton is banning for Sabard, but but <laughs> I, I think that may be because you know only he because he's out play... out of the team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Canadians are winning when he's out of the team. No, that that's mean. But Justin Barron has scored three goals, uh, which is more than Alexander Ovechkin has this far in the season. <laughs> which is something we never thought we would yeah. say that sentence, would we? No, exactly. So he's at a zero point six goals per game as a right-handed defenseman playing limited minutes, which is really impressive, especially for someone who we thought was going to get sent down uh, at the end of training camp. So, so you know, as an honorable mention, kind of like uh, sideways, you know, he, he's done well with the limited amount of time he he has. It might be good for him to just, you know, grow into that NHL. We saw how he took a few uh, games to get ready last year. Uh, but Jake Allen, Jared. Yeah, I mean, J- Jake Allen was was outstanding. Nine thirty save percentage. Um, you know, compared to his last season, uh, a huge turnaround and and a big reason why the Montreal Canadiens are 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 able to come back in games. Right, you know, the the they get the, the common theme is that they've been getting behind early. But the goaltenders kind of have shut them down after that happens. And you saw it with, you know, Montembeau and even to a certain extent Primo is that they're 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 making big saves and Allen was was outstanding. And if it wasn't for Cole Caulfield and potentially Michael Matheson as well, who had a great month uh, as, as the one of the only veterans on the blue line after David Savard's injury, uh, you know, if it wasn't for those two, Jake Allen would would easily be player of the month. But the the good news about the Canadians being five two and one as we're recording this before the Vegas game, is that those th- those three players have it, it makes it a hard choice. There's a lot of these, a lot of these last year. It was a hard choice because there was no no one really sticking out. Um, October twenty twenty three is is a hard decision for the opposite reason. There's a lot of players who who probably were des- more deserving of uh, recognition. Yeah, and I mean we haven't even mentioned uh, Kaden Gooley yet. No. Yeah, yeah, I mean. You know, when he's been in the lineup, he's he he's showing why why what a, a kind of game changer he can be. Also, um, we can't forget Joel Armia, one goal in one game thus far. So he's on pace. Him. He's on pace for like seventy-seven goals this season. He, he also, also had four goals about, in four about... AHL games. So yeah, and yeah. He's, he he's, he has five goals in five games between the AHL and NHL this season. Yeah, and, and talk he's, about he's taking on... the the demotion yeah. in in a very good way. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, like, on Elite Prospects right now, he's on pace for 75 games, 75 goals, zero assists. That's a, <laughs> that's a great stat line. Yeah, yeah Sustainable exactly. for sure, yeah. <laughs> Regression to the mean is not something we talk about here. Yeah, um, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, it's been a very, very good month. And obviously Laval has, has some good scores, but the results are not really checking in, Jared. Um, yeah. We all know Leah Anderson is the player of the month for our hearts, but we know, also know that Matt Drake will sign off forever if we don't give it to Joshua Roa. So what can you tell us about Joshua Roa and maybe how he can fill in at the at the end with some <laughs> other insights? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't watched Joshua Roa as much as Matt or Hattie before this season. You know, I've watched some here and there. I, I, I wasn't expecting this kind of start from Joshua Roa. He... He he looks like a player who's too good for the AHL already, and and I'm fine with him being in the AHL. But you know, five goals, seven assists in seven games. You know, yes, the the, the Rocket are leaking goals. Like there's no tomorrow. That's an issue. Um, they could use an, a goalie with a nine thirty save percentage, like Jake Allen had <laughs> this month. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the good news is is that they're scoring goals. I mean, we, I I talked about 
before the season started, this was the most offensively skilled roster they've ever had. And it's, they are, <laughs> they're scoring lots of goals. The the problem is the defense and, and, you know, well, you, 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 you load up that defense one. with some offensive minded defensemen as well. So, you know, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the top defenders on the team are Matthias Norlander, uh, Logan Mayu and, you know, Nicola Baudin is getting a lot of time as well. Uh, those aren't exactly guys known as as defensive stalwarts. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of the the recipe of their team is to kind of outscore you. Uh, and you know the good thing is that the guys who you want to be scoring are scoring. You know, Leah mm-hmm. Anderson. You mentioned you know seven goals in seven games, two assists as well. Uh, Sean Farrell has five points in seven games. Like the 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 guys, you know, Mitchell Stevens as well is having a good start. Brandon Gignac, uh guys who who are veterans in Laval, but. You know, Joshua was is a step above, and you can't even say that he's assisting in all of Anderson's goals because they'd only play together on the power play. They don't even play together five on five, uh, at least lately. So it, it's it's a good start for Joshua Wah, and, and there's not much you can say um, negatively about him. He's he's proving he belongs, and that's that's a big step for him. How did yeah, you expect this kind of, of development from Joshua Wah? You gave him an A for, for, for last year's season, but you know. Yeah, so the thing is, of course, he consistently exceeds expectations, and I don't think anyone had it in their mind that he'd be leading the Laval Rocket at oh, points right now. You, you, you're forgetting like, Matt Drake? <laughs> yeah, I don't think even Matt would have expected him to be leading no, the, the, but, the Matt, Rocket. Matt expected him to lead the Canadians in scoring. What are you talking about? <laughs> You know what? That, that's a fair point. But the, 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 what's really interesting with Hua is just how he's developed to adapt. Um, there's this one thing that he's always done in junior, which kind of bugged me, is that he always delegates breakouts to his wingers or his teammates on uh, on the ice. Um, very, very rarely carries a puck up the ice himself. He's gotten more comfortable doing that so far with the Laval Rocket. Um, and one thing that I saw as a bit of a concern at the start of the year, but quickly became a bit of a strength of Roaz is just how he's able to hold on to the puck for just a second longer um, in order to draw a player in and open someone up. Um, that's been one of the things that's made him so effective so far is that he's comfortable hold, holding on to pucks for small moments at times just to kind of draw a player in and allow the passing lane to develop. A lot of the time what you saw from Roa in the AHL is either he would delegate to his winger on on the breakout and just position himself to shoot, or he would rush a pass through uh, a lane and it would work in the QMJHL because passing lanes stay open longer and plays develop a lot more in, in, a, in a lot of a more linear way in the QMJHL. But in the AHL, you need to open up space by using that kind of magnetism to draw players in, to open up teammates. And he's been doing that a lot better. And those are kind of the two things that I'd say have been working for him so far is just, you know, getting open off the puck and, and, you know, passing and then moving into a shooting position and also um, just, you know, drawing players into open, uh, open up teammates. Those two things together have really made him a good, um, he, he's a good puck manager. He, he understands where the puck needs to go and lets plays develop in ways that help that kind of advance. So I've been like, I've been really impressed with how Joshua Hua has developed his game over the offseason and how he's adapted, especially since the start of the season. Those are two things that are really, you know, as much as I love Joshua Hua, I wasn't always sold on that kind of happening. And it's been really promising to see that happen. But like Jared said, I think it's a really good idea to just leave him the AHL to develop and kind of get more comfortable with these concepts so that he hits the next ground running uh, without having to worry about 
adding these tools to his game more regularly. Yeah, I can add to that. Um, I just feel that like nobody would have been disappointed if Joshua Roy took a few games or or even you know weeks or months to adapt to playing in the AHL because it's a yeah. big step up from the queue, obviously. And he's only 20, 21 years old. Is he 20? Uh, he's uh, yeah. yeah, he's 20. So so we see Elias Anderson, for example. Elias Anderson is a 25-year-old veteran at this point. Um, last season with the Ontario Reign was his, well, best full season in the AHL. He had 59 points in 67 games, which is great. It's a point-per-game pace. But he's 25 years old, and he's been in North America now for like five seasons. Uh, Joshua Roy comes out of the gates uh, into a Laval Rocket with a lot of new faces. There is not a lot of organization that you can just like... You know, you don't just insert Roy into a given role and just say that, well, you're going to have a limited role. You're going to get this and this. And like most guys are new on the team. Most guys are young. And he just steps in and takes, um, a you know, a leadership role. He leads by example. Um, it's not only that he... Um, adds by, you know, his passing. He has five goals and seven assists, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And just an overall very developed, um, you know, a, a very developed uh, overall game for a 20-year-old first-year AHL player. Um, just imagining that he was like a fifth-round pick. Obviously, he was very skilled from the get-go, being the first overall pick in the, uh, in the um, what was it, the Bantam draft? Or the what's Q, it called yeah. in the Q, QMJHL draft? Yeah, yeah exactly. But, uh, you know, falling to the fifth round, and then he's just exceeded every expectation possible in the three years, uh, well, this third season, right? So and then the two years that have passed since then. Um, yeah. Super impressive, uh, really. And let's just hope he can build on it, because right now he looks like someone, as Jared said, who is too good for the AHL. And if he's too good for the AHL, the Habs will absolutely have a spot for him, you know, in the near future. We'll be right back after these messages. Please lower your volume accordingly. Anton, you're also the co-writer for the EPR this month. Um, yeah. What can you tell us about uh, someone who got a really good goal this weekend, Oliver Kapanen? A uh, slow start to the season, obviously, uh, where we we were kind of wondering what, what had been going on because, well, we've seen people uh, bragging about Oliver Kapanen being the next uh, savior of the Canadians at the center spot uh, on Twitter or X. But um, he just came out of the gate, like not looking that comfortable at all. He had bad luck with uh, with the shooting percentage as well. Nothing went in um, and his team Kalpa didn't perform either. So it took a while, but it seems like he has found his stride now. Um, and uh, Oliver Kapanen, like, obviously, uh, as we said, like, nobody will remember if someone had like a slow two week start to the, uh, you know, 50, 60 game season. But it's just good to see that Kapanen, who's also 20 uh, years old, has just found the stride that he needs because now he's expected to be one of the leaders after being a 0.5 point per game player last season in Kalpa. He's expected to take on a more mature role and, you know, anchor his line and work towards uh, an NHL contract. So it's a big season, but it seems like he's, um, yeah, he's moving in the right way. Yeah. And, and you have to consider that he did do his national service for the Finnish army uh, during the off season. I'm, I'm sure that that has hampered, uh, his preparation for the season in in many ways, mentally as well as physically. I know he was on a uh, athletic platoon, as we call it here in in uh, Scandinavia, but it still means that he has to 
uh, he can't practice in the same way and probably had didn't have access to the uh, eye surfaces that he needs to in order to prepare properly for, for the start of the season. I'm very impressed with him. I hope that the catch-up effect has really, really gotten him going um, and, and uh, that he now just continues on that same level that he was uh, every now and then the last year, where he still outperformed many junior players in Liga. Um, I want to take a chance, uh, an opportunity to talk a little bit about the two defensemen that we have on on in Europe, and it's uh, Bogdan Kuznishikov, uh, and I'm sorry, I ruined that one, and Adam <laughs> Engstrom. Uh, both of them, for different reasons, are, are getting hampered in the plus-minus stats. And uh, for Bogdan, is that he is kind of small, he skates very well. He has an offensive output. I'm drawing conclusions a little bit more to Matthias Norlinder in some ways uh, than I do to to maybe you know Adam Engstrom or or um, Romanov as as many of them uh, has compared him to. Uh, he gets a lot of ice time, but he's on counterattacks and 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 stuff. He's not that sure to how to box out players from uh, near the net. When it comes to Engstrom, though, Rugla has a atrocious season again, or season start again. Um, um, they have positive Corsi, they have positive Corsi for PDO is atrocious. Autumn Engstrom finish, is, has a 55% Corsi for, I think, and he has a PDO of 92.7. Mm. It's It's right now, things are not going in, and Autumn is one of the players that they are relying on in those close games where they pull the goalkeeper and more often than not, the empty net goal is scored, which hampers his minus as well. Both of them are, are for different reasons getting boxed in there. The good thing is that they are um, they are players that needs development and they're getting that heavy ice time that you sort of want to see from, from defenders, especially when it comes to, to development. Um, then we're going to move on to the North American one, and uh, well, you already spoiled the the, the news, Hardy. So <laughs> let us uh, let's get on to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can switch over to Jacob Fowler, who's had a fantastic start to the season so far in uh, Boston College. But uh, I went with Cedric Gendon mainly because he's been so consistent and he's added some really interesting tools to his game. I mean, first and foremost, um, he's improved his ability to kind of attack downhill. So he's reloading above the puck in the offensive zone, close to the defenseman and kind of pushing down off the puck in order to find space. And a lot of the time, as we mentioned earlier with uh, with Cole Caulfield, I mean, um, a, a main issue with me with Cedric Gendon is that he spent a lot of time on the puck and a lot of his goals last year came off of long puck touches, long puck possessions. This year it's different. I mean, he's a lot of his goals this year have come off of just, you know, finding space below the hash marks between defensemen and taking quick one touch or two touch, um, you know, puck touches in order to set up for a shot. And that's really improved his ability, his output and also his consistency. And I think that's a lot more of a translatable um, way for him to score points as he climbs the ranks. Um, I'd, I'd rather see a Gaydon who's taking quick touches and making quick one one or two touch uh, plays in order to score than a Cedric Gaydon who's consistently carrying the puck for five, six seconds and then just walking in unimpeded and just shooting. Um, 
So that's been a great progression in his game. I've been really impressed with that. Um, he's also, for for me right now, he's the most consistent player on um, the Owen Sound attack right now, who have a decent lineup. I mean, they have um, Colby Barlow, they have Servak Petrovsky, they have um, Denis Gour, and for me, he's just on, on a nightly basis, he's been performing really well. Um, and he's been paired with Petrovsky and uh, another guy whose name escapes me, but he's got maybe like seven points in 12 games. Like he's not a top producer. And he has 13 points in 12 games. He's, you know, by a decent margin, the best producer on his line. And on top of that, he's getting engaged defensively. He's up the ante in terms of effort level. He's getting back on back checks, making good defensive plays. I mean, he's really, I mean, from the games I've watched for Owen Sound, and I've scouted a lot of the OHL this year as the director of North American Scouting for, for Dauber Prospects, um, he's been a player who's consistently stood out on Owen Sound. Even on nights where I'm watching a prospect on the other team, he just he just jumps off the page at you. I've been really impressed with Gandalf's progression so far and the tools he's added to his game. Another Smurf though, five ten. <laughs> he doesn't play like one though, uh, which is a, a kind of a common theme with the Habs. I mean, he still needs to learn how to use his body properly in in board battles and leverage his weight and all that. But the effort levels there, the intensity there, the engagements there. Um, I, I I don't mind uh, Gandal being in this in the system. He's a really good prospect, and um, I feel like he's going to hit the ground running in the AHL either next year or the year after. Um, but I don't think it's going to be long before he's playing kind of top AHL minutes. But there's still a couple things I want him to tweak in his game. I want him to get better at, at the things that Joshua Roy has gotten better at, drawing players in, opening up passing lanes, um, you know, getting into a shooting position off the puck more regularly. Um, but he's he's building, and that's what I like to see is players, you know, adding building blocks to their game so that they can hit the next level and continue to kind of stack bricks on top of those building blocks. Um, I think that's really important, and Gandalf's been – he's on that trajectory so far. I've been really impressed. And, and Gandalf is part of that that 2022 draft class that I – I always refer to as like too smart to fail. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't feel, I, obviously I know that not everybody in that draft class is going to succeed and become an NHLer, but I, I, it's hard to bet against any of them just because they all strike me as, as just really smart players who understand what they need to do to get better. And, yep. and uh, Owen Beck is an example of that uh, even guys like Uri Stokowski and Philip Mashar, like they, they they know what they need to get better at. Like Mashar is has no has no qualms about where he is as a player. Like he knows yeah. he has to get better. Um, and and Lane Hudson, obviously, you know he 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 doesn't have to improve much, but but even he is 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 fine tuning his game. So yep. that that whole twenty twenty two class, uh, Vincent Rohrer, who who Patrick has talked about a, a lot as well, uh, is is part of that as well. They're just guys that get it, and, and I think that it's. It, it's such an interesting way that the Canadians are looking at this and looking at players that want to improve, right? Yeah. Because you know that players aren't ready at 18 most of the time. Uh, even guys like Connor Bernard are going to need to improve. Yeah. And and guys who who, are, who acknowledge that and know that they need to improve or um, are, are perhaps, you know, more coachable, those are guys that, that really surprise you. Joshua was a good example of that as well. And and I think that that's that's kind of the the way the Montreal Canadiens are going with this development team, and and I think that it's it's a uh, it's an interesting thing to look at when you know in three four years when we look back at this mm-hmm. and see who succeeds and who doesn't. Yeah. Um, it's it's a uh, really interesting. Gainol is one of those guys kind of under the radar, but but just struck me as smart, and, and yeah, I think that yeah. he's he's really he's really using that to his advantage to to, to raise his game. Jared, yeah, and it, you have three minutes to finish off the Fabs segment this time. 
Yeah. Um, you know, very quickly, the, the season doesn't start till January. Training camp doesn't open till mid-November. But there's two players uh, who were drafted by Montreal who, who are playing in Sweden. Uh, Dominika Leskova, uh, a defender, a Czech defender, one goal, four assists in nine games in uh, in Sweden, uh, playing for Lulia. She's a plus 11 as well. She's going to be a big member of this. Uh, well, Lulia is really, really members. strong team, though. So, you know. Yeah, obviously. Um, but uh, she, she's going to be one of the players who's going to be top four minutes in Montreal. Uh, the other player is, is Lena Limblom. And <laughs> she... I I don't there's there's reports out there that she's she can't get out of her contract. There's she's on the training camp roster in Montreal, so it's it's going to be interesting to see if she shows up in November. Uh, if she shows up after uh, her season in Sweden, uh, it, it's up in the air. But she had a great month as well. Uh, a little bit of a slow start for her, no goals in her first two games, uh, but then six goals and, and two assists in in nine games in October plus four uh, for Moto. So. She's she's a she was a great scorer at the last World Championship. She's a great scorer uh, so far this season as well. And uh, when she ever comes over to to North America, she'll be expected to to, to fit in and and be a scorer here as well. I'm looking forward to January already uh, when when we'll have actual women's hockey to talk about. Uh, thank you all for for listening for uh, Hattie Anton Patrick for hosting. Uh, and uh, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. And uh, we'll see you next time. I'll have some money. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.